Hello dear listeners, it's Mike here. Welcome to Command Space 43. I told you I'd have a special episode for you this week. And I do. Um, me and Mr. Merlin Man, Mr. Hot Dogs Ladies, everybody's favourite internet personality, got together for a call today. We didn't really have an agenda, we were just having a chat. And, I think, and I'm really proud of how it turned out, actually. We had some great Adventure Time and comic discussion, of course. But it was also some really interesting talk, um, sort of bit back-to-work-esque, um, about working in large companies and disenfranchisement and things like that. I think that you'll really enjoy it if you enjoy anything that Merlin does or anything that I do. So I hope that you do. Um, so please, without further ado, here's me and Merlin. Am I a robot now? You are not a robot now. <laughs> Affirmative. <laughs> I have a series of questions and queries. <laughs> All involving <laughs> flu shots. Yeah, you know the... Um, I don't know. For a long time, they've gotten, I don't know, they seem a little better now, but the CAPTCHAs, like a lot of people, I think, for a while had me wondering uh, if I was actually, I, like I would, as they, I don't know, I don't know much about Turing tests, but I have a feeling I wouldn't pass. So I was having trouble with a CAPTCHA today, um, which sounds like a strange sort of some some kind of confession. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thing you only tell your 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 clergyman or your physician. <laughs> I was having trouble capturing some children this morning, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought it said try an audio capture. So I was like, okay, and this is what I heard. <laughs> I was like, what is this? How hmm. it sounded like I was stuck in a horror movie. It was the worst. <laughs> I didn't really understand what was happening. Well, a lot of people, I think, don't know that the reCAPTCHA system, I think it works with Project Gutenberg, where you're getting words that were from something that was scanned. I find that very hard to believe because they don't seem like real words, but I guess that's the whole issue, is you're also you know, basically doing a human version of OCR on books. That's, that's supposedly one of the good sides of a reCAPTCHA. In the case of the audio reCAPTCHA, uh, it could be that it's a uh, Korean water ghost. It could be that there's a, a movie from Asia <laughs> that has one of those creepy girl ghosts in it, and you're helping make a subtitle. Like this is why it was horrible. It was I was like nobody. This is meant to help blind people, I assume, and all it's doing is making them deaf. So that's no help <laughs> to anyone. Or maybe the reason I couldn't hear it is because I have sight, and if I was blind, my hearing would be. I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that because I thought that was mm, ability normative. But I, I have wondered that. I'm, you know what? I can't even talk about this. I'm having so many problems with passwords right now. But it's, I uh, you know, I, I, I get, I get why they do it. But you know, this is one nice thing where one password helps me out a lot because one. I don't know if this is an obscure. Do you use one password? I do, just not very well. Um, well, that part of one password works great for me. But <clears throat> one of the features that's pretty cool is um it's funny they put out a t-shirt that says you know my password is command slash because that's how i fill in you know forms and stuff once i've you know i have it set to lock as soon as it sleeps or anything happens one password locks because i you know can sleep better doing that but mm-hmm. um one thing that's kind of cool is per login you can go and set it to um not uh auto submit after you filled it in so if there are sites again i don't know if this is useful to you but there are a lot of sites where it wants your creds. You know, it's got a, it's got your username, your password, remember me, and then a captcha. Yeah. And so I'll have it saved to remember the first three, but never auto submit. You know, because obviously that would frustrate it. But like for my bank site and things like that, my bank site has a really, really weird authentication thing. 
has a capture on every login. Yeah, this, this could probably hardly be any more boring to talk about uh, since I don't know actually what I'm talking about. But just as a user, I mean, my bank, when I set up my online account, it, you know, it did the typical thing with you know, picking out my uh, very, very, very tough security words and uh, I have a system for that. But then it showed me a bunch of, do you get this on yours? Uh, you get the, um, shows a bunch of uh, photographs. Of things that look like stock art, and you have to identify, like you have to pick one or identify one or match two or something. And then every time you log in, it presents you with that stock photo and says, "Is this the right stock photo?" Wow. So, and I guess wasn't well, that clever? That's meant to say, like, it, you know, what? Like, if you don't see a picture of two guys shaking hands that look like Harrison Ford, then this probably isn't you, or it's not us. That's a system. I, I mean, again, I, I'm not a I'm not a cryptography expert, but you're not a security expert of any kind. Yeah, there's just so much weird about passwords and security right now. It's so strange, and it feels like you know latching this, the screen door, you know, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you don't put a decent lock. You got a door that anybody could kick down, but then they give you an extremely secure screen door that any cat could scratch through. You know. But so it's you know a lot of times it feels like it's merely inconvenient, uh, especially the sites that won't let me pick a really good password. They give you some crazy rule, so you try and pick an easy password because it's just you know whatever some, something silly, um, and it won't let you do that because it has its own you know rules. Yeah, we, but we define what is safe here. Yeah, yeah, so you have to have one uppercase character, you have to have one ASCII character, and a number. So now you have. A password that I'd have to go check it, but I, that's the kind of password that I think most high-powered computers could pretty much definitely solve in less than a day. Yeah, because but if, you, you capitalize you the first letter and then put you two put in a military-grade password, yeah. and it flips out and says this can't exceed eight or ten characters or whatever. So, <sighs> what are you going to do? Break it all down. Yeah, start my own I, internet. I have to be honest with you. You know I'll talk to you literally about anything, anytime. I didn't know what you wanted to talk about today. I heard Dan putts out on the Adventure Time thing. Yeah, I don't really have anything to talk about. He acts like, here's the thing with Dan, is he, he acts like not only that like he didn't putts out, but he acts like it's still on, even though you know it's not. I know. Well, have you ever like, dealt with that? Yeah, so I basically, because um, I, I, I asked you to come on because I thought I was going to have a guest, Blake, but they didn't. But I thought if you were free, then we'll talk because I enjoy that. And I'm always free. <laughs> and and uh, so then I was like, I could maybe put it in a crossover. Um, so I said to Dan, can I put this in the crossover? And he was like, yeah, sure, set it up. And I was like, well, can you do it? And I told him to time. And he was like, no, I can't do it. I was like, okay, then. And then I left it at that. But I DM'd you when I asked him because I thought, I don't know, Merlin might say, no, I don't want to ever talk to that man ever again. So I thought I don't want to just make the plans and then, you know, on your behalf, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just making plans for you now. I'm, I'm now your booking agent. So uh, and then he was like, oh, he couldn't make it work of his schedule. And I was like, I can't really do any other time that works for you. So I figured we'd just carry on. But yeah, then I heard you say on back to work and he was like, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's I know it's not happening. So I don't know why, <laughs> why he's saying, yeah, we're doing it. I was like, well, maybe we are, but not today. Yeah, I think 
I don't know. I haven't finished the whole book, um, but I'm pretty sure using a cal- calendar is not considered paleo. I think so. Maybe it's got he, too many glutens in the, maybe in the, the paper. Pro- yeah, or maybe the problem is it's really good for you, so he eats them. <laughs> he has trouble sometimes. I, I, I have the same thing between my ADD medicine and uh, the parts of my attention that are not uh, cured by the ADD medicine. I um, It'll be 4 o'clock. And uh, tea time, as you say, and 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 I'll just be like, um, I'm feeling kind of weird, and it's because for like the fifteenth day in a row, I forgot to eat. So you're on a hunger strike. I'm on a kind of hey, come on, what's his name? Bobby Seal? Is that right? The Maze? What's your what? you you know UK history? I bet you do. I have no idea what you're talking about. Bob, oh man, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, I haven't eaten, but um, it's not really a, it's, no, it's not a hunger strike, but it's uh, I like to eat, but my problem is. I have these two desperately conflicting uh, facts or uh, feelings in, in my life, which is that like, I really believe in eating regularly and sleeping regularly. And I, I do drink a lot of water. All the stuff they tell you, you know, could hypothetically help keep you alive from day to day. But my sleep is pretty good. My water's pretty good. But like, my office is... Um, it's literally like a, like a dungeon. It's it's a pit. It's the kind of thing that, that Finn and Jake would have to you know go through levels on. And uh, I have a dorm fridge, a microwave. A, I'm looking now a soda stream and a hot water maker. So if I want anything, I either have to bring it from home, or and you know and think ahead like like a like a grown up, or I have to go get convenience food in my neighborhood, which is pretty tasty but like uniformly deadly. So, and you know, I almost, I almost died from one order of fish and chips in Brighton, just for what it's worth. Why? I think it's probably the most unhealthy thing I've ever held in a newspaper and expected to eat. How? how it was mind-boggling. Is it always that greasy, Mike? Um, I guess so. I mean, we do like greasy food. Yeah. Yeah. Or boiled. It's amazing because a lot of times I think what you do is you boil meat. And then, and then for like a, what a couple, a couple, three days, a fortnight, as you say, and then you just literally cover it in grease and salt. Yeah, we just put it in there, just leave it, and then we wait for it to get hot of its own accord, and then we take it yeah, out again. It's a holdover from the hundred years' war. <laughs> we we may do. This is I'm I'm such a terrible like normal American because whenever I talk to somebody from a different country, my first inclination is to either seriously talk about the differences between our countries, which is desperately boring, I imagine, especially for the other person, or I use one of eleven file cards that I have about that country. I think at this point, I'm starting to forget that I am British. Yeah. Like, I I spend so much time talking to American people that I'm starting to kind of forget. Like, I say uh, mobile now instead of mobile. Oh, oh, don't do that. I'm losing. I love your H's. Don't change your H's. Oh, they will never change. Yeah. The H is ingrained in me. I don't, I don't, I could care less about the HTC company. But every time you do something on your news show where you have to mention HTC, it makes me really happy. There, are, <laughs> there's a. I bet you get notes. I bet you get notes about that. I I do about some things, and I so I got this. Uh, I, I I can't remember where I've told you this story, but so th is right the th sound. So yeah. for me, I would say it with an f, right? Because that's just the way I was brought up. So I, instead of saying three, I would say free. And people where I live would just know what I mean because of the context that it's in. But I was getting notes from people saying, like, you need to pronounce your THs correctly. And I'm like... Like, uh, like you have some kind of a speech impediment. I think I do. 
Um, no, I mean, but no, obviously <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah. You, have, you come from a different this place. This is just how I talk. This is how I talk. So I now try and make a conscious effort to do it. But oh. I, I think about it so much that I now replace the F sound with the TH sound quite often. <laughs> <laughs> so instead you of saying... the F sound with the TH sound. So instead of saying effort, sometimes I'll say effort. Which doesn't make any sense, but because my brain is overcompensating, so it's it's going the other. I'm going in the other direction now. I don't want to open an old wound, but it, this is about a kind of cultural imperialism. Because I will give you I have a list here of things I'd like to ask you. First of all, how do you pronounce the second month of the year? I, I assume you have the same calendar there. You might be Julian or agrarian. How do you pronounce the second month of the year? I say February. Oh, interesting. Now here in the United States, especially if you're from the Midwest, you say you say February. Almost everybody says February. And if you were to say to them, it's actually pronounced February, they'd get all mad because that's not how people pronounce it. It sounds fancy. Yeah, see, I just cut out a bunch of letters. So I just call it February, like F-E-B-R-Y. That's how I say it. <laughs> well, I think you guys, I know you got the, the VAT and stuff like that, but I don't think you, I think you guys um, get to use interword contractions a lot more than us. Plus didn't we, it? Yeah, didn't we, it? Didn't it? Yeah, and we pay by the letter here, so... We have to cut oh, out as many tough. as we you can. You get the slower cable. Mm -hmm. uh, you got the. And how about this one? What about the very large building that is full of books? How do you say that? Library. Oh my goodness! You're you're wow. Okay, so here a lot of people, especially little kids, say library. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> gotta go down to the library. I just like that you said people and kids. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, there are adults. Do you take the distinction? No, it's just, for me, it was saying that there are definitely adults that do this, not just children. Again, I don't know if this is cultural imperialism, but I'm just here to tell you, my friend, there's a big difference between people and teenagers. Big uh, difference. There's, kids yeah. are closer to people than teenagers, no question. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially the old. I call them chavs over there. Mm, chavs. Um, being from the Midwest, also, there are other words that... I I didn't learn I didn't learn I did this until I moved somewhere else. But I add a lot of unnecessary R's to to the middle of words, and and people would laugh at me. I couldn't hear what they were talking about. But I would say things like Washington, hmm. like yeah, or and of course the famous one in the Midwest is you say cash. I got I got to get some more cash. <laughs> is that instead of cash? <laughs> That's or right. cash. <laughs> That's right. Where ever since ever since nine eleven, we refused to say anything French. <laughs> You know, the Russians Freedom don't have price. a word for detente. <laughs> <laughs> you, ever, you ever heard that quote? Somebody in, I think it was in Reagan's, I got to get the quote right, but it was some, I think it was somebody in Reagan's cabinet said, you know, the Russians don't have a word for detente. <laughs> well, um, neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, they don't have a word for all on Z. <laughs> they don't have a word for bonjour. <laughs> La Merde. Um, man. So you want to start the show? I think we already have. Uh. Um, you know the 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 thing uh, the thing that we that that's that's disappointing is we have in trying to put together the as you say proper uh, Adventure Time or, or or Adventure Time as you say there mm. um, the 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 proper Adventure Time episode needs to include as I think we've stipulated. Uh, you, and I hope me, and our friend Anna, and then, you know, I think Dan would actually be pretty great to have on there, because mm -hmm. he's a super fan and knows a lot, but two of those people 
are, are hard to schedule and for different reasons. I don't, I don't want to, again, I don't want to open a second old wound. No. I know, you know, Agincourt still sticks in your craw, as you it say. Does. But, but the, uh, but <laughs> talk about knowing enough to be dangerous. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard to do. Anna, you know, does, doesn't she have like the, I, I don't want to talk personal here, but does, doesn't she have like the commute from hell? She, has, she, she commutes many hours a day. Right. Both ways, as she say. As she <laughs> <laughs> round trip. I think that's Cockney rhyming slang, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but I don't know what's, I don't say what for. <laughs> I had to make my way to Brighton. I took the bound dip. <laughs> add me, add me airy rag. Probably. Everything I know comes from kink songs. It's anyway. I, I hope we can eventually do that because yeah, I have I to tell like you, to. I, Michael, I think these are very important materials that we need to share with people. There are a lot of people like I used to be. I'm sorry to say who see the picture of the dog with the rubbery legs, or they see the little boy with the weird hat, and they shut down. They just think it's... Oh, it's so important. Adventure time is so important to me. It's ridiculous. It becomes more important to me all the time, and in a way I can never anticipate, in a way that always surprises me. And, and it's weird to say that it surprises me, because I do... You know, given that a year ago, I, I think even a year ago, six months, eight months ago, I hadn't seen a lick of it. Yeah. For a long time, all I'd seen was too young. Uh, the, the famous lemon grab episode, but it's really it's so odd it, that that this weird cartoon show, which is I have to say weird in a different way, pretty much every week, that could be so moving to me and also so satisfying as a story arc. It's very have, unexpected yeah. to me. Have you seen last week's episode? Uh, I did. Is it? Is he talking about James Baxter? Or? Yeah, that is the weirdest episode I've ever seen. I and don't he really think, knows how to cheer a guy up. I don't think I was watching it. I was like, what? And to think about it's about Adventure Time, like what is going on, means there is some weird stuff going on. I was like, I don't <laughs> from understand. The first, from the first like three seconds, the door opens, <laughs> and a tiny blue video game robot who is a boy but talks like a girl has, uh, as you say, sticky taped a cup to its chest with a chicken egg in it, and is singing a song about how it is pregnant, mm-hmm. and will not tell you the mother or the father unless you can keep a secret. It was so strange. James Baxter. James Baxter. I was like, I don't understand what is going on. One of the greatest things in my life right now is that my special lady, lady friend, loves Ooh. Adventure Time. Ah, oh, it's a keeper. She started watching it. Basically, you know, I, I, I think that by now I have a sense of her humor, and I felt that she would enjoy the show. So she watched, I think, one episode and fell in love with Lumpy Space Princess. Really. She thinks she's the funniest character ever. I've met, I've met, I've met Lumpy Space Princess so many times. I mean, you know what I mean. I, oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much more than just simply a parody of, as we say, a Valley Girl. You know what I mean? It's the uh, often woman, but sometimes man, who is utterly convinced of their delusional about their attractiveness. But don't you think that's a isn't that a prime part? of LSP is like how how indignant she is about people not properly acknowledging her her lumps and how hot she is that's all it is and like just the being the best like she just thinks that she's the most popular person ever or she's the most popular lumpy space person to have ever existed how did uh, if if you can say um could i ask did you choose did you pre-choose a specific episode in mind uh, to, to start her with? Because I always feel like that's important. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, we get so deep inside baseball, as we say. Uh, <laughs> a lot of funny. Um, that, you know what I mean? Though we get so inside the universe of a thing that our favorite 
I know this is true in comics. My favorite of something is very, very rarely the right one to start with. So did you pick one? Did you start with an LSP one that you thought she'd like? No, I just gave her episode one. Because I, oh. I felt like if she didn't like it and I gave her my favorite episode, it would make it even worse. Oh, I've done that. Because I've, I've desperately wanted her to enjoy the show um, and felt that if I was like, oh, this is my favorite episode. And plus, some of, like... So, oh, we watched Lemon Grab together. The first Lemon one? Grab, yeah, Too Young. And I I don't think I've ever heard her laugh like that. She was just she was just <laughs> screaming. Cuz it's like, cuz the whole it's, time scary, his character is so inscrutable. There is no you can't prepare someone for that episode. Like it is impossible. And every time I watch it, it's oh like I'm relearning how insane it is. It's because every time I would see Peppermint Butler come on the screen, I would laugh, right? In previous episodes. And she's like, why does this character make you laugh so much? And I was like, you haven't seen the right episode yet. Because now just seeing... He's eating the dirt. <laughs> just see. <seeing, laughs> hey, man. <laughs> well, and this, this, see, this is it. This is the problem. It's and, and, But you're, I, I totally agree because... Um, and it, you know, it makes it worse when it's a nerd thing. I mean, how do you make someone you love enjoy the Big Lebowski if you're really? For example, when we listen to music, my daughter has banned me, banned me from singing along with anything that is one of, as she says, her songs. So I'm not allowed to sing along with that Tangled song. I'm not allowed to sing along with "I, I Just Can't Wait to Be King," which I love from Lion King. Um, you know, I can't even sing along with They Might Be Giants because that's hers, according to her. And so, but the thing is, we sit down with Too Young, and, you know, my wife has that two minutes of the day to do something that's not for everybody else. And I'm like, watch this, watch this part. And, and we're talking, we're quoting, we're quoting it in real time the entire time. If you've ever been around that, with something you're not into, I'm imagining if I sat down yeah. again with something like Buffy or whatever, I would just be like, first of all, can you guys shut up? Like, uh, this is not, like, watch this part, watch this part. Oh, 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 you should really know that Lemon Grab also in this later episode. You know, and this this is why you should never play Steely Dan for a woman. Because it was like, I said, you know, I, I explained to her prior to the episode, like a few episodes before, and I was like, there's this amazing episode coming up. And I said, there's this character in it. It's in one episode, and then he's in like loads in like a block, because obviously the character is so popular. And I was like, you can't even imagine how good it's going to be and usually when you say that to somebody it's always a letdown mm-hmm. but it wasn't in this case there's so much happening in that episode and it was she made a really good point that i hadn't considered before and you know when uh so when when finn and uh, uh bubblegum bubblegum yeah totally brain exploded um they're like trying to get rid of lemon grab and they dress up as ghosts and they punch him She's like, why do they punch him? I was like, that's a good point. Why do they punch him? <laughs> like they're just beating him up now, right? And then, but like, yes. And it's it's uh, when I first saw that, I was like, that's that's really weird. And then they punch him, and he falls down, and he's trying to play it off legit. <laughs> but then I also, it's so cute when they pause for a moment and then run away. And then you can obviously children in sheets running around. Yeah. And uh, that that's really delightful. But you know, one of the things. Um, since my Apple TV is still inaccessible, I was watching something on Roku last night. Uh, I was watching um, on oh on Netflix something my wife had actually recommended, which is <clears throat> a d- documentary from a, I guess a couple of years ago about something that just 
utterly amazes me, which is South Park. Every uh, they make every South Park episode every week. I've got they, this they, downloaded. Six days to air, right? Is, is what that's it's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's uh, it was. Uh, I, knew, I had a feeling it was going to be pretty good, but it was even better than I expected. And um, but you know, it's. I, I, it's funny because I, I don't watch South Park anywhere near like I used to, but when I watch it, I'm still pretty amazed, especially knowing that fact, that what they pull off. And now, on the other hand, I understand that each Adventure Time episode takes a lot longer than you might expect. That it, I, don't, I don't understand the exact math on this, but months to make an episode, I don't understand how that could be true. But that's what they say. But the, the consequence of that is it is really tightly paced every episode of pretty much every episode of adventure time if there is a lingering shot of something or this panning shot of something um it's there for a reason and there's scoring for it you know i mean the whole thing is scored there's this amazing music for the whole thing and it, it's like a little movie you know and I, I don't know i think that helps it a lot i mean w- growing up on cartoons being a person of a certain age, you got a lot of Scooby Doo where they are the Flintstones, where they just kept running by the same door over yeah. and over. And this feels very handmade and and very carefully storyboarded and scripted. So I remember years ago I heard somebody say that about The Simpsons, like it takes X amount of months to create an episode of The Simpsons. And I also didn't understand it, so I started looking into it a bit. And I think it's 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 measured in two ways. Um, it's even like it's well, it's kind of like they look at it as man hours, so they have multiple oh, okay. episodes being created at one time. So it's not like they start with this episode and then it takes three months and then they do another episode. It's like it's like a production line. It's parallel, and yeah. there's lots of an- lots of animators, different animators working on the storyboards. So they have them so- sort of running concurrently because you don't need like you don't need the voice actors to be there every day. You know, they maybe do it takes them a couple of days to do one episode. Um, but they just keep doing the whole series. Like it's like that the whole way along. It's so funny you should say that. Um, cause I had actually had a, a question that never, not enough of a question to like, you know, ask you about it, you know, on, on, uh, you know, email or Twitter or whatever. But, um, I'm really intimidated by any project where I have to do something, especially at a certain time, but even still, like, have to do it every day. I find that so intimidating because, you know, like, our friend Marco has talked about this, how certain kinds of people have this une- um, unexpected and hard-to-trace kind of quote-unquote productivity, which is you might, you know, like, not do something for weeks or months and then do tons of it in two days, and in the aggregate, it makes you productive. But, you know, it's not like you sit down at a job and do this thing every day. I don't know how you do the news show every day without losing your mind. It, it seems like there's probably a lot more work in it than me, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, be readily apparent. But then you have to do it, what, six days a week now? Uh, I do it five days, but sometimes like I might miss Friday. Okay. Like, you just I, I feel like you had an episode last Saturday. Yeah, because I, I didn't have one Friday because uh, my brother was getting married. So I was de- doing that. Um, well, you know, Dan hasn't had a day off in 14 years. So. And then he had like a month off to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you do that. You you do that every day, and, and given the the time difference, that must be helpful because then yeah. it can be fresh news in the morning or something. Is that kind well, of the idea? That would that would be the the primary way of doing it. I mean, like, like at the moment, I just record it when I get home from my jobby job. But ideally, um, at the point where I don't have to do that anymore, it would be ready for like when people wake up, because I would right. record it when I wake up. So it's ready for everybody else when they wake up. But at the moment, 
I kind of record it at like 7 p.m. my time. So it's kind of like lunchtime-ish for most of the states. Right. Um, but yeah, the thing is like it, the actual preparation of the show doesn't really take that much because I'm reading RSS throughout the day anyway. So all I do is just find a story and then use the very convenient um, bookmarklets to save what I need into the 5x5 CMS. And then I just, the first time that I tend to read those those stories is when I'm recording them. So, like, I don't really do a lot of prep for it. So I kind of sit down, I open up the script, which is generated for me by the CMS, and then I just read them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing it for, like, a month, I think. And so far it's been pretty good. I mean, because most days I'm recording after that anyway, so it's kind of just, like, a warm-up. Oh, okay. So I'm like, you know, maybe three days a week, typically, I, I will do some form of recording. So I kind of d- sit down and do it before I start the first show or whatever. But it's, it, I kind of like it in a way because I'm, you know, it's, it helps me to understand what's happening in technology, considering I have a couple of shows about technology. And I don't really read very much. Like, even like RSS, I tend to just read the headlines and just let them go by. Um, so now I'm at least getting like the first couple of paragraphs of a story. So that's helping me. I think that maybe in a few months it might be a bit like, oh, at points. But so far I'm actually quite enjoying it. Wow, that's really good to hear. Um, because it's funny. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if it's quite the right word, but, you know, like a rally, you know, in with automobiles where you've got to be someplace at a certain time. And I, that's that's the kind of thing that I find very intimidating where it's, you know, just uh, sometimes I've used it to my advantage. Where like if I've been try- if I try if I'm trying to get exercise, um, I might come up with a a red herring, a MacGuffin, whatever you want to call it. I might have this thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, but I'm going to get a co- get a cup of coffee at this place two miles away, and it's not even a reward. It's more a way of having, you know, yeah. Again, I'm probably mis- misusing that Hitchcock's term MacGuffin, but it it. it it seems like this is the thing it seems like the story is about, but it's really about this other thing. Like, not to spoil it, but I'll just say that Psycho is not actually really a heist movie, even though it, feel, it starts as feeling like a heist movie. Uh, and in that case, it gives me a, a hook for wanting to take a walk, and then that hook becomes a kind of structure. Uh, and if I do it on a regular basis, ideally every day, then, you know, then that becomes uh, you know, a, a pattern, a habit, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, having to do that, you know, it's one reason I, I don't know, like when you disappear into a full-time job, it, it helps a little bit because, you know, like I won't get paid if I'm not there at eight or whatever. And then that, you do sort of, uh, not give away, but you, you knowingly, mindfully sort of say, well, there's all these other things I can't do because I got to be there at eight. I have to be there till five or six or whatever. But it's, um, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it as being part, because you, you record a lot, right? Yeah, I I do. So yesterday I did four shows. <laughs> Jeez. Well, okay. What four shows did you do yesterday? So what did I? I did. Um, I'm looking at my calendar now. So I did the news. Um, I did. Uh, I recorded Command Space with Moises Chuyon. 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 I always get it wrong. Yeah, I asked him and still got it wrong. Um, then I did a show called The 512 Podcast, which is one of the ones that's still on 70 mm-hmm. decibels. And then I recorded Bionic as well, which was 80 minutes long. And we started at half past 11 my time, PM. 
Crazy. I, I don't I don't understand how you don't get burned out. Neither do I. I mean, I did. This is the thing, right? So I, re- I typically record my shows t- two days, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and I do like... I do like four shows on Tuesday typically and and two three shows on Wednesday. That's including the news. Um and then Mondays and Thursdays I might pepper them with other little things if there's other stuff that I want to do, like talking to you today is Thursday. And so this is kind of like a, a, a fun thing. So, you know, it's it's cool and, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it all, but they're not like regimented shows that I'm doing on those days other than the news. But before previously, like maybe a year ago, I was recording four days a week. And like it was like at least two shows every day, and I had to cut back quite significantly because again and again as you have a jobby job. Yeah, because I'm like so. Yesterday, I worked from nine till five, and I came home and I started recording at seven p.m. and I finished at one thirty. Mm. So that's oh, that's God a big Mike. that's a big day. Like, but I enjoy that though. I mean, I'm happy to do it. Like. I I was uh, as I said on the show I was recording parts of the show with my eyes closed like I wasn't sleeping but it just felt more comfortable <laughs> like I I did our Squarespace ad with my eyes closed which says oh. how long I've had them as a sponsor for that I can do it with my eyes closed but it was just I was very tired like I sort of said on the show that I'm sorry if I sound tired but we wanted because we talk about like Google on that show so we wanted to cover the 17 hour keynote oh you got the I O yeah so we had the I O to cover. Um, so we did that, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's fun though. And, and I think that I put all this work in for a reason. Like, I do think that I will be able to just do this, you know, this will be what I will be able to just do. Um, you're, you're a, you're a gentleman about how you, uh, lightly refer to that, but that, that is kind of the, beg your pardon. Um, that is kind of the short term end game for you, right? Uh, Not an end game. The mid game is that you would. You'd like to get to the point where you at least have the option of doing this as your primary thing? Yeah, I mean, as soon as it kind of gets to the point where it's possible, um, I'm given in that resignation. I'm going to quit, as Dan would say. Do they know that? Um, I don't know if they do. I mean, I they, find don't listen, they don't listen to the shows. They know that I do it um, because I wouldn't have got my current job without it. I, I work in marketing now, and I don't have any marketing experience, but... I told them about all of this stuff and they know that one day, like this is what I want to do. Like I was very upfront. I was like, want this is what I want to do one day. I don't know if they're aware that it could happen at any point and it would be like <laughs> instant. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of, that's what I want to do. That, that's, that's what I hope and sort of believe that five by five will help me with. And so the kind of job, I don't mean to interview, but the kind of yeah, job that you have, well, I'm, I'm talking about me all the time. As you may know, um, um, so the kind of job that you have, I mean, obviously it's important because they pay you. But are you mostly working on your own? Are you working directly with one like person or business unit? Are you part of a team? What uh, you know, without going into too much detail, unless you'd like to, uh, you know, I don't want to expose you know mm. your employer or whatever. But how, how does how does your your job work? So you have to. Yeah, yeah. I I work in marketing for a big a, a bank, um, and uh, so I I create like email marketing. <laughs> you make you make the you choose the the stock art for the login. Yeah, that's that's my <laughs> job. <laughs> marketing messaging. And uh, mm. <laughs> so I, that's what I do, and I'm in a team of thirteen people, um, oh, wow. but I kind of work on my 
own on my own projects like I work with other people but I work with stakeholders um, throughout the business you know like I I get included into 90 minute conference calls of which is not necessary for me to be there I mean because where I work in marketing I work in marketing in a suit and tie environment you know mm-hmm. I work in financial marketing. A very, very suit and tie environment. Yeah, and that's because prior to this, I was a bank manager. That's how. So I'm still within the same company, and that's how I was able to move over because I was in the company, and was where I don't have any marketing experience. I do this stuff, and they like that. So I previously I, I was a, a a team manager, which was soul crushing. Like I would never do that ever again. Managing people is is it can be nice, but mostly it's just my kid's sick and need to go home you right. know, and dealing with that. Like not my kid. That's what people are saying to me. And I just didn't enjoy that, you know, but um, yeah, so I have lots of meetings and all that sort of boring stuff really. But yeah, that's kind of my setup. So, I, so you work alongside, you have 13 more or less colleagues or peers doing something similar. You, in other words, would you be creating um, a temporarily unfillable hole, or you wouldn't you wouldn't like bring your department down if you left. No, I wouldn't. I mean, there's certain projects that I do that it would like it would take some time to get somebody up to speed with, and probably even after I left, they wouldn't be like ready because I have a couple of projects that are so big that you couldn't give them to somebody and them still manage their current workload. Right. But, but I work for one of the largest companies in the world, so they just <laughs> kind of have to deal with that. They'll, they'll work it out. They'll, yeah, exactly. They they always will work it out. I mean, people people leave our company every day, you know, in their droves because it's so big, um, and and they 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 fill the spaces. I mean, there's there's quite a high turnover in in the part of the business that I work in. Like I've been there for like six months, and the team is probably like a hundred people, and I think we've seen like fifteen people leave. And it's, it's it's very in, high in, in turnover. the space of how much time? It's about six or seven months. Wow, that's pretty. I don't know much about this, but that seems like very high attrition. One of our competitors has been taking them all. Oh, huh? They uh, headhunt, as yeah. they say, poaching, as you would say, as I would say. Mm-hmm. Wow, so they're they're used to doing that. That's yeah. you know, it's, I've heard. <clears throat> I know, like when I worked at a fast food place, you know, dealing with things like places that have lots of support. I know that can be a pretty big deal, and I don't know if this is true for you as a manager, but it seems like at a lot of places, um, it's not even just human resources, it's everybody. They have to, it becomes so costly to rehire. I mean, you know, especially in support. I mean, a lot of places who really try really hard to provide great support, um, well, I don't know, it's weird. It's almost, it's almost like a strange bifurcation. There are some companies that, that, pour a lot of resources and time into retaining good people. And with stuff like support, it, seem, it seems like you must see direct results with something like that. Because you understand that there are some people who've not only solved this problem a lot, but they know how to deal with people yeah. in a way that, that makes them happier as a customer rather than sadder. But are you in that same situation with, with like a, I mean, I don't know, maybe a marketing person might be replaceable, but like, like bank tellers, is that kind of a commodity? Yeah, they're like a dime a dozen. <clears throat> like, and, and, and that's, I mean... A company the size of mine as well, like even me, like I'm, just, I am considered a commodity. They, the, the, it's kind of just like everybody is replaceable up into a like up to a certain point, but that certain point is really high up, and right. I think that's just standard in in corporate America, corporate Britain. Like a company that employs like 
six-figure numbers of people around the world. Like, it's kind of just like, and this I don't think this is a fault of the company. Like, it's just, like, you can't, uh, you can't, from a cost-effective perspective, treat everyone like they're special. Right. Like, because it would cost you too much money. Like, in, in an industry like the one that, that my company works in, there isn't any money anymore because everybody hates the all the banks, you know? So And just suing banks into oblivion. Mm. So it's kind of like... You you should be lucky you have a job. <laughs> it's kind of like the way that they don't they don't try and make you feel that way, but it's like the conversation that people have with each other. It's like you should just feel lucky right now that you. Yeah, but I mean, you can look around you and yeah. see. You know, again, it always gets back to that issue of culture, which is that thing that we don't even have to name, and if we probably couldn't couldn't name if if we chose to, it's something everybody knows about. You know, but it's you know the way Winchester was able to put out. Uh, rifles as quickly as they did was, you know, by automating it and making every part work with every other part, which obviously at the time was a was a revolution. But when you're a company that big, I think that's that's understandable. But um, gosh, a visit with me wouldn't be complete without a mention of Walgreens. I uh, I'm, I'm often struck by uh, like what a drugstore I go to and one partic- one particular drugstore I go to and one particular uh, grocery store I go to. And actually, honest, strangely enough, my the bank where I go when I have to do something at the counter. In each instance, uh, just to my mind, like some people are good, some people are bad. Whatever they're, you know, they got a job that's hard. It's it's a bummer to work with the public. It's just not fun mm. uh, unless you really have that that uh, brio. My my, uh, my mom is like that. And in the case of each of these three people, um, they are a perfect delight to to, to deal with. And, I mean, on an like an order of magnitude difference. The guy that I always seek out as my checkout dude at my grocery store is an engineer. He's a former, I don't know exactly why, maybe one of the benefits, but he's an engineer. He sits there and makes drawings of things and shows me like how to wire a guitar. He makes his own guitars and basses. He's the one who single-handedly like cleans up and re-engineers all of the checkout belts because the people who come in, it's like Brazil. They're so incompetent. <laughs> but dealing with him, he doesn't, he's, he gets me out of there quickly, but he's a delight to talk to. There's this one lady at a at, at, uh, drugstore I go to uh, who's still recovering from chemo, and she treats every single person like a member of her family. The lady at my bank, we show each other pictures of our kids, and she just could not be more of a delight. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to sound unkind, but then there are, because I've been in jobs like these, and it's just not fun. But, in, you know, I've actually talked about this a little bit with each of those three people, and they all agree on one thing, which is that this company that they work for um, still treats them. And again, this is also true for my mom in retail. Um, in each case, these are people who are, to any customer, performing on a completely different level that, in my words, would soften how much I dislike that company as an entity. Like, yeah. wow, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to Sal's checkout because he's the best. You know, I'm not gonna go go to that 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 lady who always wants to talk to me about what I'm gonna make with lime juice. I'm gonna make alcoholic drinks just like every time, miss. I don't want to talk about my groceries. Sal never talks to me about my groceries. He gets me in and out of there, but he can also draw me like, you know, how to wire pots on a guitar. And in each case, uh, all four of those cases, including my mom, the companies that they work for did see them as almost less. I mean, I guess you can't be less than a commodity <laughs> title, but that's that's how they're treated. There there isn't any form that gets filled out that goes, this lady who lost all her hair but somehow manages to be buoyant with every person in line, but still efficient, 
like they're they're not they're not seeing they're not getting like big bonuses for that. And there's this little part of me that thinks that I don't say that's what's wrong with companies, but that attitude I think is is what's wrong with a lot of big companies. You know what I mean? It's like you you become so big and you become so middling and you can, you know, the homeostasis or the equilibrium if you like is that is um mediocrity. You're going to like be okay with this. Because if you look at the big curve of people, there aren't going to be that many people like the ones I just mentioned. And so like why put a lot of effort into it? We can always replace them with somebody else at this same modest amount of money. I don't know. I don't have a point there, but that's, that's frustrating to me. And, I, and honestly, I think that's why, in turn, over the last 30 years, a lot of people have started treating their jobs like someone who, who they started treating, they started regarding their companies as someone who treats them like a commodity. And they don't, they're not going to get 100% of that person. No. You know, they're, they're going to run an eBay business on the side. They're going to disappear from work every time they're not monitored. And so you get this self-replicating culture of mediocrity because that's, that's the pattern that people will most easily absorb and get away with. I think one of the issues at the moment is the, the internet. Like The internet is a, a problem for big business because people understand that they can very easily set up their own thing. You say like an eBay business and that's... I mean, I know people and have known people that make a living, like a, a living from doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, if you look at somebody like me, before I was podcasting, you know, I had a whole career planned out for myself in retail banking. You know, like this is what I'm going to do. And I, and I sort of sucked up and enjoyed it. And I, and I, didn't, huh. I didn't start hating my job um, or severely disliking my job until I started doing this because it was like, well, now I know that there's something else that, that I'm good at, that I enjoy, and I enjoy a heck of a lot more, and fits more with the type of person that I am. And I think that that is an issue. Like I think you get people start to realize that it's possible if they work hard enough to make money from something that they like, and the internet allows people to do that because it it just sort of decentralizes business. And, and while that while that exists big companies are going to start losing talent, talented people. And all that you have left is, is two. Like, so you mentioned like those three different people, like, and, and you've, so you've really hit the nail on the head, like from a, the way that corporations see it. Like, so there's three types of people. And my company even had names for these types of people that I won't share. Um, but so you've got the person that is in the retail position to move up the corporate ladder you have the person who's in the retail position because they're just not good enough to do anything else. They will never get anywhere even if they tried. And you've got the person who's <laughs> perfectly happy to be where they are. It's what they enjoy. Or in some cases, they've lived their life. They want to, They still want to make some money. They want to be out of the house. So they'll go and take up a little clerk job somewhere. And like there are actual but names. It becomes kind of like, like anxious yeah. passivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that they're losing all of the people. Well, not all, but they're losing a big portion of the people. And I saw this happen in my company that were the first kind, like the people that move up the corporate ladder because they're the people that have talent in some regard. And they're starting to even move to these really small sort of startup-y, agile businesses, which give you a lot more freedom and control over your own future, or they're doing things on their own. Like when I started, like I was a, I was a, branch manager of a bank at 21 years old which was that's amazing i can't believe you're even allowed to do that i was one of the youngest that our company 
had given that control to. And it was a very small branch. It was four people, but it's still considered a managerial role. Um, well, you still have passwords and access to, to a lot of potentially risky yeah. stuff. Yeah, keys, I have yeah. keys like to, to safes of, with money in them, right? Which, and you have to like approve the cashier's checks and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, exa- that's exactly it. Like I'll, my signature meant something. Um, and by the time when I left that part of my um, company in September of last year, the branch that I was in had a sister branch that needed um, a junior manager like I was at the point to go into. And there was like 15 or 16 retail branches in varying size in the area that I was in. And the area manager could not find someone in all of those branches to take that position. Oh, that seems like a giant red flag. Exactly. And this is, I, I think that this is something that I see that my friends have as well, like in the companies that they work for, is that young people are, are being, are, feel like, some young people feel like that they deserved something, which is one whole separate problem. Um, but others are like, at least want to just be made to feel like they, that their company cares about them in some mm-hmm. way, at least cares about their future in like a real way um, or gives them opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise or gives them creativity or autonomy and just that notion I think is moving faster than corporations can change to accommodate it hmm I think I think you're right. I'm just thinking about two different forks here. I mean, there's this part of me that wonders, uh, you know, how much of the follow-up research has been done on when people do go off and do something different. Like, if you consider yourself a smart person or an ambitious person, or even just somebody who's worthy of more recognition and compensation than you have, I mean, I, I wonder how often that one move takes you to to a demonstrably better place. Do, do you know? Um, you know, because it's every, every like you learned when you, you know, went into this field that you thought was going to be your thing, or the example I'm always giving is like people in law, like you don't know, you may not know that much about the day-to-day culture of the people that you work with and the kind of, the kind of tasks that, you, that, that other people end up valuing a lot versus what you think would be valuable. Those are all kinds of things where you can kind of feel yourself being pulled into this machine and I guess to bring these, bring it together, maybe, um, it, I think it's it's not unusual to weigh, even consciously, maybe even on a sheet of paper, for people who think about what they're doing, happy, unhappy, or otherwise. Uh, maybe bonus time is coming up. You know, um, maybe your spouse uh, wants to move somewhere, but you find yourself having to weigh those factors. And I think there's these the the two obvious factors are on the one hand, you know, wh- wh- is there enough benefit to to accept the risk of doing something different? And the thread through that, I think, and I, at the risk of frustrating a lot of people, I think this is really true uh, at administrative levels in academics and government. Because you can get a very, you know, in context for today's workplace uh, realities, you can get a fairly comfortable or at least fairly reliable, dependable position in certain kinds of institutions much more than others, right? So if, if you're going to go into... Uh, the world of tech and innovation, or you're going to go into show business. I don't. I, I think you'd be a little bit uh, daft, as you say, to think that you're going to have security. Like if you get hired mm-hmm. for this soap opera, if you're one of the like point zero zero one percent of people who gets a job on a TV show, there's nothing to say that you're going to be there. Let alone that the TV show will be there. Whereas I think still in things like academics, uh, 
you know, uh, I don't want to be unkind, but you, I don't know if you get this there, but like you'll get people who've been in the same administrative position to where they're almost like furniture for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years because part of the expectation of them is that their loyalty and their cogness inside the company is their primary value, but then they can get away with tons. Yeah, yeah my, <laughs> the, the, the people in other places just can't get away with. Last week, my mum uh, completed her 36th year of service wow. in her company in the same branch that she started in. Um, and she, bless her, does whatever the hell she wants. Like right. she just because she, she gets away with so much. It becomes like do, tenure. Yeah, how do you get rid of someone who's been at your company for thirty six years? Like, <laughs> right? You can't. Well, that's why I say it's like tenure. Yeah. I mean, you you know, it's it's so funny how it's so odd to me that like if you're on the tenure track at, at an academic place, and I, I'm not an expert on this, but just having watched this from a remove, you know, if you you start out, you come in, you're at the bottom of the ladder, you're you know. Eh, I think the way it goes, at least at my at my college I went to, you had like you know staff-ish instructors, and then you had people on tenure track. You had things like assistant professor. You move up to associate professor, and then you become a full professor, and you have tenure. And, and tenure is is such a strange kind of lifetime benediction. It's like you're a made man in the mob. Yeah. Tenure and is so strange. It's it's I don't understand. I don't. In today's environment, maybe even, I, I don't, it seems like a relic. It's like, congratulations, you can now do whatever the hell you want, and there's nothing we can do to you. You don't have to work anymore. <laughs> like, well, can, and, and, and know, in part because weird. maybe it's scholarship, maybe it's grants, but, but in large part because you stuck around long enough. You went through this banking machine enough times that now you get to just do whatever you feel like, and we pretty much guarantee it will be extremely difficult to get you to conform to anything new we'd like you to do. And if you just go off, uh, you just go rogue on your own, there's not much we can do to stop you. Yeah. If you have a... A pet project you've always wanted to pursue, now is the time to do it. It is a very strange... I mean, I, I didn't go to university, um, so I, my only sort of um, understanding of sort of tenure positions is just from, like, pop culture. But that's kind of the way that I understood it, was, like, you get to a certain point and your job is just guaranteed and, until you're done. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that, that wants to... Um you know, dither on that a little bit and say that's not accurate, but as my, it's my understanding that's actually fairly accurate. I mean, I, I, these are examples I've cited before that I, I think are still kind of interesting. At my, at my very small college, when I was there, there were 520 students and 42 faculty members. So it was, it was really good. Technically, it was very close to like a 10 to 1 student-faculty ratio. And it was a great school, but, you know, that means you have one Russian teacher. I wonder if, he's, if they even have a Russian teacher anymore. One Russian, one Spanish, one French. And the French guy who I loved wasn't French by uh, lineage, but, but he was a fantastic, he taught first year, second year, third year French. He did, um, he did of course, he did independent study projects, which you had to do at this school. He, he was on my thesis committee, uh, undergrad thesis committee. Um, he introduced me uh, to a bunch of fans. He was a great guy. He also did French literature. I, have had, I had two different French literature classes with him, and he was doing all of that as an assistant professor because he wanted to be on the tenure track. Long story short, he didn't get tenure. Like after mm. I found out after I left heartbreakingly that he didn't get tenure. And it is it's a little bit Kafkaesque. It's it's kind of hard to know. They'll tell you a reason why you didn't get tenure, but I think it's a, it's a little bit, I don't know, what Hellfire Club or, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to know exactly why you didn't get in. While at the same time, around, in that same epoch, the Spanish teacher 
who had, I, I had had for Spanish. Um, she decided at some point by fiat that she was not getting enough support and that she had too much going on. Have I told you this story before? I think so. And so uh, she announced that in the coming academic year, she would not be teaching first-year Spanish. And it, it, it only takes a moment for one to realize the ramifications of that. Well, first of all, that certainly is less workload for her. But think about what that means two, three, four, five years from now. If she doesn't teach first-year Spanish at a school that provides next to no transfer credit, if she doesn't teach first-year Spanish, that means the year after that, if she teaches second-year Spanish, that's going to be pretty easy. <laughs> Because there aren't going to be, there isn't a, a, there isn't, there isn't a person who comes in and wanting to do Latin American studies. Uh, if there's no first year Spanish, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you bone up on your own until you seem qualified to take second year Spanish. But that has, I mean, in, in that kind of an ecosystem, that has huge ramifications, uh, certainly for the students, but really very much for the other faculty members. Because what happens? Well, you know, humanities had pretty pretty simple distribution requirements compared to science, the natural sciences. But, you know, if you need to have a language to get a humanities degree, now what do you do? Well, that means all those people are going to be shunted off into other languages. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll take Latin or maybe they'll, you know, uh, but, you know, the single most common second language in the United States, I'm pretty sure, at least then, was Spanish. Yeah. But, you know, she was tenured. And I, 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 it's so hard for me to understand. I guess they probably worked it out, but at the time, I remember hearing the anecdote, there wasn't all that much that they could do about it. Because, yeah, basically, she would have a class of, like, three people in the next year. Because Precisely. And then think, of, oh, think about the year after that. Why would you care enough, like, to be like, I'm going to learn myself because I really want to do Spanish? Like, th that's a, a commitment. Because then I assume you have to take some sort of test to say whether you are, like second year Spanish qualified. Right. And, and who would be the person in that in that <laughs> value chain? Who would be the person who uh assuming it is a, a test of some kind, even if it's just an interview, who would be the person who put that together, decided the standards and then made the decision? The I have a pretty teacher. good idea who that would be. <laughs> a Spanish teacher. But you know, okay, and in all fairness to Senora Pauls, like I, I that is boy, that is a really reductive anecdote. I'm sure there was a lot more to it. Because gosh, she has to deal with a lot of other people with tenure. Who knows who knows why that happened? But the 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 fact that that she was in a position to effectively throw down that particular kind of gauntlet, the gauntlet of saying, I'm not I'm not going to do arguably the most important single thing that lets me have a job and get compensated for it inside of a school. You know, the idea that that could even be seen as credible for more than a minute seems nuts to me. It seems like a, uh, what? I mean, it seems like a police officer saying, like, um, I'm not going to go out, uh, like, a, you know, a, a, a beat cop. Like, I'm not going to go out and respond to calls um, to the police. Like, I will, I will stay here, and if I have to, I will fill out paperwork. But it's, you know what? It's even worse than that because, you know, but, you know, I, anyway, I, that, that, that just that seems so strange to me. And I, I, you see it at so many levels in so many places. But here's the thing. Let's, let's go back. First principles, Mike. I, I, as a human being, I'm trying to evolve to where I don't assume that everybody's stupid. Like, she had her reasons for doing that. She's mm -hmm. probably not a bad person. She's probably, she may be somebody who wanted less work, but that doesn't make her lazy. She had a reason for doing that. But the consequences of that decision, you know, maybe that was a, a bargaining chip. Maybe that was something where she wanted to show that she could do that and that that would shake people out of, you know, some kind of stasis about how she should be, 
I don't know, compensated, regarded. Maybe she wanted to be given uh, an earlier sabbatical. Like, who knows? You know, maybe she wanted more time off to be with a sick person. I don't know. But anecdotes like that always kind of blow my mind. Regardless of whether she was a good person or not for doing it or whatever her motivations were, she was still put in a position where she was able to make that decision. Like regard and again, regardless of whether it stuck, she still had the autonomy where she could do that, and that was granted to her by the the, the system that she works in. Yes, even as my French literature professor, who gosh, he works just so darn hard, even as he was was hustling and hustling at I think at least half of what she was making in terms of compensation, and certainly much less than half in terms of job security. He did that because he wanted to be on the tenure track, but he also wanted to do a good job. This was a school where, I remember for the alumni newsletter, I did an interview with the new um, chemistry teacher. She'd been at, I think, Yale, um, teaching at Yale. She's, she's quite young. I came in as an assistant professor. But she had been in Yale, but she, I think it was Yale. It was one of the Ivies. But she was so, um, she felt dispirited by you know, again, big systems, right? But she was in a position where she was mostly evaluated on things like scholarship and grants. Um, and I, I, I don't know if this is the case there. <laughs> Everything's upside down in England. Public is private, up is down. <laughs> but I don't know if that, how, that's how it works there. But here, if you're in a certain kind of department, you know, you might be paid a fairly modest stipend to do what ends up being very important research. You sell to pharma. Um, in that case, she was being heavily evaluated more on how much grant money she brought in mm. than on the quality of teaching she could do. Because what's the dirty little secret of a lot of universities? Um, undergrad, meaning you know the first four years to get a BA or a BS, um, that, that finances the rest of the college. That they're, they are financial cannon fodder to be able to have other programs. And so what? You have a teaching assistant. You know, it's, it's, it's just such a weird system of like indentured servitude for this thing that we claim is just amazingly important. And then we seem surprised that people don't want to pay $40,000 a year, that people don't want to come out of college with a BA, you know, in pottery making, incurring $250,000 in debt or, you know, or whatever. I don't, wasn't a math major, obviously. (laughs) (sighs) You want to start the show? Yeah, I guess, right? So welcome to episode 43 of Command Space. Oh, we're doing Command Space. That's cool. That's a good show. Yeah. Although this has kind of been like back to space. Back to quit space. Mm-hmm. Command to work. Because mm, 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 we mm. did like Adventure Time at the front and work in the middle and interesting anecdotes at the end. Like, hmm. I think that's that's the formula, right? That's how you make a, the world's most popular podcast. Well, yeah, sure. I, I, Mike, I think formula could be a word for it. But, you know, if you're making a, a cocktail, like somebody who's very into cocktails would say you definitely have to use a certain glass, certain ice, and then you have to, or if you use ice, I don't, I don't even know if you have ice in England, but then you have to be able to uh, put them in, in a certain order and deal with them in a certain order. Yeah. I'm much more casual about my cocktails, I, as you know. And so to me, like as long as you get all the stuff in a glass, you're, you're good to go. I think we have all the ingredients in here. Well, we haven't really talked about comics, so that's probably just as well. I've got the I've got a hardcover Adventure Time Mathematical Edition sitting next to me. The uh, co- uh, the collecting all of the issues up, up yeah. to uh, is it one through six or whatever. Mm-hmm. I bought that too, and but I'm disappointed I bought that for two. First of all, everybody should buy that. But I was kind of bummed for two reasons when I bought that. The the only way that my comic 
store guy has ever led me wrong was he pointed, I didn't even look at it, he pointed to that and said, oh, that's the new graphic novel. And of course, I gobbled it up. The problem is I had most of those in floppies. I had already bought the TPB of it, and then I realized after I got it that it was actually a collection that I already had. There's actually but, no new content in there of any kind. Yeah, there's a new graphic novel that is weirdly, and I bought yesterday, which is weirdly enough in black and white, which puts my daughter off immediately. But also the bummer is that my favorite thing in the Adventure Time comics so far was the started after that, I think. You know, the time travel stuff? I haven't actually started reading the book yet. <gasps> I've got volume one and two, like the TPVs. I've got you could jump. Them. I would, you know, uh, as you know, I'm not a comic expert, but I think you could jump in on, I think it's whatever number six. It's the one that begins with Bubblegum in her lab making a quote-unquote time machine that turns out to be an alarm clock. But that, <laughs> like, three or four issue arc is a great place to start, and it's, my, it's absolutely my favorite of the series so far. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. To getting them, I mean, it's 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 a great comic. I the thing is, it's not in digital form. I can't get. I like to read comics in digital form, and it's, oh, it's right. not available for some strange reason on Comicsology in the UK. It doesn't make any sense to me because it is in the US, and it was available for like a week. It was available in the UK before I started watching the show, but I'd heard people talk about it, and it was on sale, so I I bought it and didn't I haven't read it yet. And then when I went on to go and get the rest to sort of read them all. It's now gone again, which is very strange. I don't, I don't really understand that. I've been, I've, I'm so behind on comics now. It's kind of crazy. My only, I, I, I was so funny using that phrase behind on comics. You know, it's like being being behind on potato chips or something. <laughs> but, but, uh, but one thing, one thing we do, like last night, we just got, um, um, what is Kelly Sue's new thing called? The something within. A new Captain Marvel thing, and so you know I, I'm a dope. I know I don't need to buy floppies of these things. I know it's not worth any money. The enemy within. Um, I know I don't need to buy floppies, but I do. I like it. And then, but what I do with a lot of them is I kind of stack them up for a while, and then I like to read them in order. You know, so like for example, with that, so the enemy within is awesome. So Kelly Sue DeConnick has this. Who's uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met? Um, she's the one that sent me all the BMB stuff. Mm. Um, the uh, in her, her case, she's bringing together her Captain Marvel title and the Avengers Assemble title that she mostly writes now, along with this new thing. Do you read? Do you read Captain Marvel? Uh, I haven't, but it's on my sort of brain. I think list. it's a little divisive. Um, I have a lot of friends who love comics that don't like it. I adore it. I love. I love the relationship between Carol and Jessica, between you know Captain Marvel and Spider Woman. I love their yeah. relationship. But in a case like that, you know, and she put out a little reading order for it to let you know what order to do it in. But like a great example for me is Fantastic Four and FF, which is absolutely, you know, Matt Fraction's just hitting out of the park right now between Hawkeye and, and the Fantastic Four titles, I think. Um, but in that case, you, you, as with Hickman, you have to read Fantastic Four and FF interleaved. They, they, strange. They, yeah, and which is a, a, an excruciating, <laughs> boy. Talk about white wines. Hmm. Uh, it's very hard to do on Comixology. You got to really hop yeah. back and forth and remember where you were. I wish you could but, create like a playlist. I do too. I do too. Um, but that gets back to your original thing, though, about like distribution stuff. Like it's, it's just so weird how companies like Marvel make these decisions. Like I'm so ready to go in, and <laughs> as a phrase I've been using lately, in compliance, I'm so ready to go in and buy a big arc of something. And then I go in, I go to the Avengers Volume 1, 
and they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and I go and try and find you know the one where I'm, this this might be no no this is actually an example. I try to find the one where Ultron makes Vision because I'm getting really into Vision and kind of into Ultron. Of course, it's not there. Uh, I, I just signed up for Marvel Unlimited. I don't think I'm going to stick with it, but yeah, I, I, I had to go and get it there. And that's so weird to me. It's so weird to me that, from what I can gather, Marvel in particular, will, it works backwards. They, they will, it seems to me like they start with something that is the, what I would call a TPB. It's a collection. Like you, you know what I mean? So you, the, the issues, the separate issues that you can get in Marvel a lot of time, in my little bits of research, are only things that are already bundled in another package that's cheaper to buy. So it's bananas to go and look at Uncanny, or, you know, X-Men Volume 1 because there'll be like a 10-year, a, a that's a bad example, but there will be an Avengers, for example, which has been continuously published since the early 60s. You might see like a, a two, three, four, five-year hole in the, in the issues that are available, which seems to defeat the whole purpose of having a business like that. Yeah, like you'd want it all or nothing. Yeah. Well, you can come in and you can buy these certain singles by the Beatles, but we're not really ready for you to get Rubber Soul, Revolver, or Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. Like that. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's just not available right now. But you, and you don't can steal buy, it. You can buy <laughs> random singles from those albums if you want, but you just can't get the whole thing. Or, or maybe those singles, singles aren't out yet. Like you can go and get what? You can get She Loves You and you can get Hey Jude, but we're really, we're not quite ready for you to buy this otherwise identical digital product yet. So strange to me, but you know, another—it's another example, though, of a weird institution where they—they're they're thinking in terms of very different terms than we as fans are thinking. I just you know, don't I, understand just so why I have to go in and purchase them all. Like, if I find a book, why can't I just subscribe to it? Like, that is you, possible to do. You can do that. I think you can do that. So you, you're a comicsology guy, right? Uh huh. Are you using pullist.comicsology.com? No, see, I I tend to use it all through the apps. Well, there's a companion site to Comixology called you know p u l l i s t pullist.comixology.com. Um, I had a little trouble getting it to work. I had to talk to the dudes there to help me link it to my Comixology account. But long story short, you go in if you can go there now, have a look at a pullist.comixology.com, and you'll you'll get it immediately. You go in and you can see okay, what's out this week? Is a good place to start and go. Oh, what? There's a new you know FF. Uh, FF seven, I think, is out this week, and you can click a button to pull it, or you can click a button to subscribe to it. And then when you subscribe to it, quote unquote, it becomes part of your regular pull list. So you don't have to use it with Comicsology. I use it as a way to make sure I don't lose track of what to pick up this week. I've got a pull list at my local shop, but um, but I boy, I find that extremely handy. And I think I, I mean, unless I'm getting this way wrong, I haven't done it yet. But I think you can use that subscribe button to subscribe in Comicsology. I'm not sure. I know you can pre-order, but right. I, I don't know the answer to that. But I would recommend Pull List as a great place to find out. At least have an account. It's a weird-looking website. Looks like it was built in like 2003. Also, do you see? I'm not in front of it right now, but it's not in front of me. Do, do you see the search button or the search field at the top? Yeah. You see the magnifying glass? Yeah. What is that? Down-facing triangle tell you. <laughs> it's meant to do something. It feels like I'm losing my mind every time I click anything. on that. <laughs> Why is it doing It's not They're attached just... to anything. Like, it's not... <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's like, you know, I can't go to, go to bed. Somebody on the internet is wrong. Every time I look at that, it makes me, it makes me angry. It's like they, they just found that, that, like, the little ping somewhere and was like, yeah, we'll just use that image. That looks like a good image for search. You can't do but anything I, you know, with it. I'm but. starting to become more aware, um, as I'm sure my wife is already aware of, 
um, that I'm spending more than I should on this stuff. Um, and I think part of the challenge is like, if I know there's something I like, then I dive into it, you know, and, but like, for example, like on my pull list, I, I, I pretty much added almost every Marvel now title except for that. Greg Land, Iron Man, don't get me started. Um, the almost Iron all the Marvel Man. Now titles I added, but I ended up not keeping them because I, I didn't really, I wasn't reading them and I didn't need to have them in floppy. So, for example, Thunderbolts, I stopped doing a long time ago, but I heard it was so good, I went out and bought the TPB of the first few issues yesterday. But, you know, this is the problem is comics all, not comic, see, here's the thing, we have to differentiate for anybody who cares, um, and which probably will be no one, but Comixology makes an application that they have sold a white label version of or licensed, I believe, the same white label, same app has been white labeled to both DC and Marvel. So if you use Marvel's official comic buying app, it's, I think, identical except for the content to the Comixology app. Well, yeah. You did it at DC. I think that, the, that it has all the same content as well now. I mean, it I, I think it, I, I would have to imagine that it does. Because but I, I originally used the Marvel app. And then I signed up for an account in there. And then when I went into the Comixology app, I signed in with the same account information and got all of my Marvel purchases in the Comixology app. Yeah, exactly. You can link it to your account very yeah. easily, which is pretty cool. It's good that you can do that. Yeah, and increasingly, just because of my own frustrations with my Apple ID right now, I am much more often buying it on the Comixology site so that it's still associated with my account if my ID gets weird. Even but, though you know, I buy them in the app, it still associates with my Comixology account. So on my Android devices, I still have the same comics that I bought. Well, on my that's iPhone. interesting. So it's just passing through Apple. Yeah. Okay. And they just recognize your. They're, they're obviously, they're making the payments, but it Got will it. get saved in your Comicsology profile. And can I just say, in passing, Marvel needs to get somebody on the user experience of signing up for Unlimited. I thought it was, it was so I could not. I'm not that stupid, Mike. I could not figure out how to sign up for it on my phone. So I had to go yeah. to the website. And even on the website, there was so much blah, blah text and confusing stuff about what it was I was buying. It was so weird. You but know why they can't do it on the phone, though, right? Because why? Apple so, so they don't want to pay 30%. They don't want to pay 30%. So they can't even mention where you need to go because even if they mention where you need to go, it breaks Apple's rules. That's so bizarre. Because ah, so that explains it. I see. I had yeah. assumed that that was the model, you know, as with so many of those. That's so weird. Because I can see it from Apple's point of view. Like, if you're going to make people pay, you don't want to have them be like, uh, "Don't sign up here. Go sign up here." Because then it's the same issue, right? Or you, if you don't right. plug that hole, you're just giving people a real easy way to get out of it. It's just like the same yeah. with Netflix, right? You can't sign up for Netflix in the Netflix app. I don't believe. Yeah, it's so interesting. And like the Kindle as well. And so you just open these applications and, and you get no information. It's just like, Kindle, sign in. And you're like, well, what? It's like, just sign in. But I don't have an account. Just try and sign in. That's kind of all it is. And then you have to take yourself to the web and try and find it. It's a very strange system that they have. But the Marvel Unlimited thing, it's like 75% of what I want. Like what I really want is to pay a fee and just have everything new and old that's what i really want it's you know yeah yeah well there's for me like i have an ipad mini it's very hard for me to go back to to the full-size ipad at this point i've never had a retina ipad so i don't miss it but you know my, my daughter and i read everything on the ipad mini and it works yeah. out great i, I mean, love it's, it i had a retina ipad I had a, and then i went to a mini and i prefer it for comics like i just because do you do, you do the guided view no really wow yeah. you get good eyesight sometimes i zoom in like it, it for some pages, it's it's very rare that I need to, but sometimes I do, especially when it's a 
like a landscape, a double page. Like you can't, it's impossible. Well, so, so my first wine does not apply to you. My first wine is that to me, I really like guided view. I, I understand why the vast majority of people, as far as I can understand, do not like guided view. They want to see the whole page. If you got a big iPad or you're looking at it on your screen, you know, but I, I, for, for, I, it works great for me and it does not, I mean, it's not there and it's not even anywhere near there. Uh, in the Marvel app, which again, for most people is probably fine, but for me, that fr- is frustrating. The second part of it is like, mm, this, is a, this is kind of unfair, but it's a little bit like using Hulu Plus, where it's like, okay, I paid for this. And it's one of those things where like, the, the classic broken web model is this thing where a classically broken web model for revenue is to have something that, an, that is deliberately neutered or made annoying for free users. And then you pay to add the testicles back on, or well, I guess the you know uterus or whatever. Um, in order, and, and then you don't see ads, or in this case, you get to read offline. But in the case of like Hulu Plus and Marvel Unlimited, I still feel like like a second class citizen. I just I, I won't even get into it, but it galls me so much to have to sit and watch public service ads or Geico ads on Hulu Plus for something I'm theoretically already paying for. That drives me nuts. But then on the the Marvel Unlimited, like ah, it's it seems like it's deliberately made to be something you have to have to, you know, eat with a teaspoon. Like shouldn't I? Shouldn't I? First of all, six issues really. Shouldn't I be able to go in and say, give me everything from the Kree Scroll Wars, right? Give me that entire thing in order and let me read it in order. But of course you can't. Like why? Why the limit of six issues? Maybe, do you have a sense of that? Why there's a limit on the number you can have? Is there a good reason for that? I, the only thing I can think is that they just want to make it difficult. Like I can't. Doesn't it seem that way? Like even if you're being kind of big-hearted, doesn't doesn't it seem like they you know they can't let go of that? So sign it up. So it's you can uh, you can download six issues at a time. Is that right? You can, as I understand it, you can add as many as you want to essentially a web view. I don't know if it's a UI web view or what it is, but you can have a whole bunch that are sitting there that are the covers of something you will now read online if you have an internet connection. My understanding is you can have, and I could be wrong here because I started this just like three days ago, but I think you can have up to six individual issues. Like you, you can't put the House of M, you know, eight issue series on there. You've got to get one, two, three, four, five, six, and come back for seven and eight. So good yeah. luck if you're going on a plane or leaving the country. I think you can have up to six that are cached and available offline, That's, I believe. So six seems like such an arbitrary number I could, as well. You know, I, I apologize if I'm wrong about that. but no, I, I, I think I'm, that you're right. I think I'm pretty positive there's a limitation. But also, again, then, the, the, the single issue thing. And, you know, this isn't my business. I'm just, I'm just a rabid consumer of it. But... Uh, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks I'd be happy to pay $25 a month. I, I, I don't even want to tell you what I spend every, every week on floppies. It's more than 25 bucks a week, that's for sure. And But like, wouldn't doesn't it? I don't know. As a user, it makes sense to me that I should be able to go in and say, okay, the Messiah trilogy. That is a lot of individual issues from different uh, properties. Right, it's not. It's not. It's not simple. If you wanted to go out and like like a like a weirdo, go out and buy all of the Messiah stuff in floppies, if you could find it, I, I have to guess that would be at least four things. You know, you've got, you've got. Uh, I think is it astonishing X Men, whatever. You got X Men. You got there's like some cable stuff. There's that whatever that young X Men group is. Um, you know, and then so it's great. Then on Comicsology, I have bought. You know, I, I have House of M as one book, but in that case. It just seems sensible to me to like, even as a new comic fan, 
wouldn't it make sense to, to say to that person, okay, here's this, here are the five most important story arcs in the Marvel Universe. I mean, one of my favorites. Let's say you want to get the Phoenix. Uh, let's say e- even just using the, uh, the Uncanny X-Men titles just by themselves, excluding stuff like Fantastic Four that becomes important. You might just say, I want to have this chunk of the Phoenix Saga. Now, in that case, you're lucky on Comixology because there's a Marvel TPB of the Dark Phoenix Saga that you can get. But like, if you're new to that, how do you even know where to start? You know what I mean? If you had a page that said, here's the 5, 10, 15, here are the most important arcs to like, getting into this world that isn't just an origins issue. Well, that arc and the storylines that Marvel is so married to, why don't you make it easier? Yeah, I think- <laughs> why wouldn't you make it easier to say, if you go re- get the, download the torrent, if it exists, of the chronological X-Men reading order, there's a lot more than X-Men in there. You've got to read some Iron Fist. You've got to read some Fantastic Four. You've got to read some one-offs. I don't know why they don't make that easier. I think there is an inherent problem in your business model if you have to reboot your comic properties to try and get new people. Like DC and Marvel have both done that. So they're like, we're going to go start from number one again because we're concerned people can't start with the books. Like you, you need to try and think of a way to make it easier for people rather than having to start number one again. You know? I, I, I am uh, sympathetic to the point of almost agreeing, but I'm, I am also very sympathetic to them. First of all, it's a really weird business. I don't know much so about strange. the inside baseball. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, uh, we see that on, on the side of going like, oh, God, come on, another universe? And also, like, how many teams can Wolverine and Spider-Man be on before it's just implausible? Wait a minute, I thought he was, hang on, I thought he was in the Savage Lands right now. What? But he's also, what's going on? You know? Okay, yeah. whatever. Set that aside. But there, there are these bankable characters that they've got to keep bringing back. And if, if you think it hasn't always been this way, go all the way back. I mean, Iron Man and Spider-Man come out of properties, what became a rich tradition of let's try out these characters and see if people like it. We're not just going to go give uh, Dazzler ugh, her own title until we're, we know that that's a good thing. Spider-Woman, right? right came out of Captain Britain. And so forth, but I, hmm, I'm sympathetic because I mean it's got to be hard, but it does also seem I mean like you know, and the, the comic buying public is is weird, you know. I mean everybody I know who's read comic books a lot longer than they're all grizzled. You try and talk to people like Andy yeah. or Dan. I hate or, comic books, but I love them so much. That's what I it's like. I can't believe right? how many things I have. There's not that many things I've found. It seems like a true comic fan is only really allowed to like one thing at a time. Other, <laughs> and, and it may not even be this version of it. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I just like Spider-Man. I ah, love the I'll, idea of Spider-Man, just ah, not what they're doing to Spider-Man right now. <laughs> well, there's one, one panel from a 1968 book. But uh, anyway, if you stop soon, you keep it under 90 minutes, uh, American, just so you know. That's cool. It's, we're only at 10 minutes, British. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's metric. Metric minutes. As I pointed out, and I think you did too, you're becoming that person now, right? With your um, spotting of the Mark II moment, which you mentioned on Back to Work. My comic guy says that could be Mark II of the movie armor. I st- I don't buy that. And also, I would just like to say for for the many people here who hear this podcast, I know, I know Hank Pym, by the writer, was not supposed to actually hit Wasp. I know. I have read that. But you know what? I also think Chewie should have gotten a medal. And I'm here to say that in the book, he hit Wasp. You know, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. You ever seen that when he hits Wasp? I've seen, uh, I've seen you, you post it. Yeah, you know, so I, there are a lot of Hank Pym apologists out there. 
Mm. You know, good intentions. You know, if wishes and, and, and butts were uh, mixed nuts, we'd all be a frog with a butt uh, hopping. That's uh, the well-known phrase. <laughs> As you say. <laughs> That's <like> every day. <laughs> Governor. <laughs> so maybe 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 we end the end this yeah, special back to work so. episode of Command Space. This should be a different thing. This isn't really appropriate. I don't know where it would go. Oh, you know what? You should call it maybe either Command Z. Oh, oh how about Option Command H? Could be hide all hide others. It could be. Yeah, there's all kinds of not that funny jokes I could come up with based on key commands. Do if you, if that'd do be you useful have, to you. Do you have a specific key command that you would like this episode to be called? You can, you can pick the key command. Okay, and just to stipulate, that should be a key command that with a standard setup, you don't need the breadth to key bindings, you would be able to replicate what this should be called. Yeah, on my Marvel character keyboard. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Yeah, it, it makes it very difficult for me to know what I'm typing, but I oh, like, I had to, I like I had it to, In my fury to try and get my Apple ID working, I was tearing stickers off right and left <laughs> in a fury. Is the slash under there? <laughs> yeah, because there are some where it's like, now I don't know what's there anymore. Like, there's some characters where I'm like, like on the number keys, I can't remember what I was looking for the other day, but I was hitting all of the number keys because I couldn't remember <laughs> where where the <laughs> character was. That's great for passwords. <laughs> yeah. um, um, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> there's the there's uh, the the curly braces or the parentheses because you know I so seldom have my closing parentheses on anything. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? C- come on, command, Q. Command. <laughs> that should be dance show, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Command Z would be kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, save as. Boy, there's not nearly as much funny here as I thought. I got some good textmate ones, but uh, I don't. You know, it's your show. Command Z. Or was it Command Z rather than Command Z? <laughs> I'd say Command Z instead. Oh, okay. You know, here you go. Option Command H. Yeah. <laughs> <Hide others. laughs> uh, it's a start. That's what I'm going to do. Merlin, it's always great. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mike. It's uh, You're the best. And I, I'm always so thrilled to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. That's always a pleasure. I hope you are hot dogs, ladies. H. H O T. Hot. Mm-hmm. That's how I say it, because it is hot, and I'm I'm like it's I actually it's actually Cockney rhyming slang. It, it should be uh, about dad, my ladies. That's not even funny. Cut that out. It's already gone. Who, who are you on Twitter? Uh, I'm Mike. I M Y K E. So bye, everyone. Thank you. So we are done. <laughs>